0: passionate dj podcast where it's all about becoming a better dj through passion and purpose and now your host david michael
1: hello everybody welcome to the passionate dj podcast i'm your host david michael now many of us djs have wide eyes and high hopes for playing those mega big room headliner spots and getting paid to travel the world realistically the most common scenario for a club dj is to be an opener for such an act now the warm-up dj has a very specific and important role and it can often feel like an underappreciated position to be in but it's an art form all its own and it's one that we should find joy in and when you have a crowd full of people who have arrived to see someone who is not you it can be intimidating to be put in the position of convincing them to like you while simultaneously restraining yourself as to not overstep the headliner Conversely, many people feel that the openers should bring everything they've got, since that's sort of their time to shine. Now, the role of warm-up DJs is often debated, and there are a lot of arguments which all hold merit. In episode 43, we talk about various approaches to warming up a room for a top-billing act. We discuss the struggles of the warm-up DJ. For example, how easy it is to get stuck doing warm-up gigs once promoters figure out that you're good at it. We also use our buddy Mr. Shifter from episode 34 as an example of pivoting a set based on reading the crowd before a big headliner. Hopefully he doesn't mind. Surprise, Jack. Since the three of us have had experience in various roles outside of DJing, such as being event promoters and so on, we try to approach the discussion from various angles and give a fair assessment of what we think non-headliner DJs should be doing at big shows. Now make sure you listen all the way through to after the outro, because Trip ends the show with a great story. And now stay tuned as me and my co-hosts, Tony DeSero and Trip Turlington, talk about the joys, struggles, and importance of the warm-up set. All right, guys, I think I'd like to talk about warm-up sets and warming up the room. Because this is something that if, if we're ever to play in a club environment, you know, we talk about all different types of DJing, but if you play at a club at all, you're going to be in this situation where you need to play the warm-up set and be the person who is setting up the room for whoever the people are actually there to see, right? right? And so, I mean, I guess where I want to start with this is do you guys think that there, is there an art to warming up the room or should the, the DJ just do what it is that they do because that's their moment, to shine both okay (laughs) so so you don't think they're mutually exclusive
0: no not necessarily i think the 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 balance there is both in recognizing what you're doing and when you're supposed to do it and a lot of that responsibility ultimately falls on the promoter because if the promoter is putting a show together you don't put happy hardcore you know before you know a prog guy you yeah. know or you know you don't put ambient chill out <laughs> as the main you know opener or the opener for the main headliner if yeah. the if if the night doesn't is not all about ambient chill out you <laughs> know like
1: it's just so what what is the warm up dj's job in say a club environment where you have a headliner you know you're doing the the typical club night with a headliner what what is the purpose of the warm up dj or is there one other than to just have music playing earlier in the night
0: i think it's definitely a, more than just that because every in, in a club environment which is you know kind of an extension of the old rave environment because clubs Years ago was, and even a lot of clubs still today are the guy that comes in at 9 p.m. and leaves at 2.45, you know, because he is the resident DJ and he's got a format that he follows. But in the context that we're talking about, you know, it's it's an extension of the old rave, you know, mentality where it's bringing multiple pieces of talent into a room So each one of those pieces of talent has their own unique sound, their own unique thing that they're bringing to the table. So when you're curating that show, you know, you want to be cognizant of one, who's going to bring the heads in Two, how is this going to flow? You know, am I going to, is, how do I want my night to go? You know, so do I want, to ram all of this high energy music at nine and 10 PM and then have, you know, some guy that comes in playing, you know, some like loungy kind of house music as the, as the main guy, probably not. You want something that's going to be more, um, you want everything to be more consistent. So I hear and read a lot of DJs who are all like, forget all that bullshit about, you know, wanting to, you know, warm up DJs to temper their sound and do this and do that. And, you know, know your place and blah, blah, blah. You know, and and there's a lot of people out there that inherently and vehemently reject that notion. Um, and I think there's some merit to that because if you're going to get booked, then the promoter better know who they're booking and they better know where to place you for the night.
1: It always depends on the show. Right. <laughs> so I mean it's it's easy for us to say well this is the promoter's job. Yeah
0: and and, and and right we're right, right. No and, and I'm not placing all the blame on the promoter or not blame but I'm not placing all of the responsibility It starts
1: with the promoter and the booking there. that the promoter books. But right. let's say like you're in a position where you you are playing too early in the night for bangers, but that's your sound. What do you, like? That's whether you have good promoter, bad promoter, whatever. This is the position you're in. Sure. And let's let's even take it a step further, and I and hopefully you're okay with me putting it this way. But let's take like a multi format show, like a three dimensional first Friday. Now those kind of shows are very community driven and we're trying to you know bring new people into the fold and give other people a chance you know i've seen you bring a lot of new dj's into the fold there okay. and so in order to do that in a town like dayton you know you need to have a lot of variety you know a That's, lot of different kinds of music you and you're it. going to run into high energy stuff when you're doing that, and well, so sometimes it's a you you know you have to make that decision am I going to put this person on for the sake of the community and I'm sure that's probably something that you struggle with you know like John probably struggles with with uh, uh, EDM, EDM Tuesday Tuesdays because that's entirely like if you are in Dayton and you want to DJ this is your shot come and do it this is a you know we're all lifting each other up and doing this together kind of thing. And so that means you're going to get what you get, you know? Right. So it, it, you can say it's the promoter's responsibility, but sometimes the promoter might consciously make that choice, even knowing that.
0: I think you know? that's kind of like, but you know what you're, like that's the product that you're putting together though. So the people who attend that show know that they're, that that's going to be what they're getting so when john says come as you are Mm -hmm. and everybody you know is is the collective grassroots like okay so most of those newer up-and-coming djs probably know some of the people in that room already you know and and it all just kind of converges
1: but those shows aren't warm up sets necessarily right. it's just everybody right. getting a different slot so exactly. it kind of differs from we're bringing a headliner in
0: right. and yada right. yada
1: right.
2: yeah that's where yeah, it It's depends on the show the promoter booking the show knows like ex- if I book you or I book you I know what to expect you know what I mean and that's why I book you when it comes to which one
0: of me are you booking um, <laughs> either one of you guys <laughs> no, Trevor or David which, which one of me
2: Trev Turlington, you know, but but I see what you're saying. I, I absolutely, I see what you're saying, but...
0: Yeah, no, i have just busted you. You know, once. you play,
2: but to me, you play a breakier format. You don't play a four on the floor. You do play Tech House and whatever, but as of late, you play a lot of, you know, breakier right, stuff, right, right. Uh, a broken beat. And I know to put that, number one, because of your experience at a decent time slot
1: your skill set. Um, when well, you work with us long enough to know that we're going to respect the slot.
2: Yeah, and and, right. and also, I don't want to do four on the floor, four on the floor, four on the floor, four on the floor, four on the floor. I want to do, you know, four on the floor, four on the floor, broken beat, four on the floor. So it's, it's all strategically placed. And, you know, that's that night now. Right. Taking that to an... And that's just local, regional. So we do a night that's just solely based on a headliner or a tour or an act coming in town. It it still relies on the promoter, you know, f- to put you, because I know that you're not going to take the room through the roof, you know, at the beginning of the night, you know, even before a headliner, you know, most of our headliners actually. But if we were to do... A craze headliner, I'd put trip on before craze. He's a broken beat. People are waiting for that that hip hop sound. They know what they're expecting. House, you Mike Diamond, whatever. I, but ultimately, it does. I feel like it falls on the promoter knowing the show, knowing the act that he's booking. And if it's a if it's a local regional thing like Three Dimensionals first Friday, then I you know nine or ten o'clock slots. Those early slots are more for the upcoming guys, you know what I mean? And and to me, play you, you know, and and I'm going to, I know what you play. That's why I'm booking you. And I know what slot I'm going to put you on based on your skill set, how long you've been playing, you know what I mean? Things like that. I still know what you're going to play. But I also know that at 9 and 10 o'clock, not many people come out to the clubs other than the people that are coming to see you,
1: you know what I mean? So, so that's here's, kind of my... Here's a little side angle on that. The, the other thing about that is I wonder how many people have a similar struggle that I have had to where I made it a point to get really good at warming up a room mm-hmm. and embracing those gigs, and I got stuck there. You know what I mean? Because everybody knew they could trust me with those time slots, the powers that be, the people that care... know that i would do that and so it's hard for me to to play any other way because if i keep getting put in those slots i'm going to keep playing that music they might not know that i could bang it out right you know and And so i don't know how you demonstrate that
0: it works the other way too because you know i when i was really starting to get popular and was playing out some really prime time spots for A lot of people opening up for headliners and all, you know, traveling all over the Midwest and all that stuff. It was actually a really cool experience because here's all these awesome gigs and they're, you know, there's all of these people and they're all, you know, really jamming to what I'm putting out and it's all awesome. It's awesome. (laughs) And then, you know, then when you get into circuits or, you know, other markets where you ain't. (laughs) You know, nobody knows who you are, you know, and everything that you've done up to this point is all cool and everything, but guess what? In this market, you ain't anybody. So back to the 10 o'clock slot you go, you know, or the nine o'clock slot. And, you know, so one, that's a humbling experience, but two, like, holy crap, you know, I'm used to just going balls to the wall because that's what I'm, uh, that's what I knew, you know? And, And so it was you know, when I first started out playing, yeah, I played all of the opening spots and all that stuff because that was me paying my dues, but I didn't know what I was doing then. I was just playing my music the way I, I wanted to play it. There wasn't a whole lot of psychology into it. So once I got to that point where it was like, okay, you know, you're getting into other stuff and now you really got to learn, oh, oh, I can't play at 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock like I do at 1 in the morning. <laughs> like, you know, and I mean, and that's a... You you really need to be able to make that adjustment because it does work both ways that you can either get stuck in that mode where you are the greatest opener that ever, you know, graced a set of turntables or you're going to be the worst opener in the world because all you do is go balls to the wall no matter what time it is.
2: (laughs) I have, um, you know, Mr. Shifter this weekend. I booked him because I, I booked him to play drum and bass. Mm hmm you know, thought that's what he was going to do, and like, ten minutes before I said, he said, man, I really feel like playing house. I was like, go ahead, man, do what you do. You know, it didn't bother me one way or another, because I knew he could handle it either way, yeah. you know, and it was good that he did.
1: Yeah, he came up to me and said something about that, too, because I was there super early, and yeah. he was like, man, I, I was planning on playing drum and bass tonight. I even posted that I was playing drum and bass, but... He's like, I, I really feel like I should just play house.
0: Well, and and I think, and, and I mean, yeah, Jack and I had
1: that, <laughs> that, uh, that
0: that discussion as well.
1: And hopefully, he doesn't mind us uh, calling I, him out I know, right? Time. I
0: almost feel like we should call him. Right? Oh, I'm not even hijacking. Mad no, he no, made no. the right decision. He absolutely made the yeah, right decision. Did. And and that was that. That's another mark of, of a good DJ. That I mean, you know, when you booked him, mm-hmm. I know exactly the sound you were looking for because mm-hmm. Jack, while he runs the gamut of drum and bass. When you put him in that particular spot, he knows he acts that, accordingly, yeah, he yeah. acts accordingly, and he knows the type of drum and bass to play for that, for that time, time slot. slot, and that's
2: that's 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 my going back to I didn't want to play or I didn't want to book four on the floor, four on the floor. He was right. a broken beat that I wanted to break in the middle, right, just so happened the time slots got scrunched because you know the headliner issue yeah. whatever right so i I think if if time slots would have been you know, fully extended the the slots that everybody were going to get. Right. There would have been more people there. There would have already been a little bit of energy on the floor. He probably would have played drum Absolutely. and bass. But yeah. reading that Absolutely. crowd and knowing he didn't you know, he shouldn't go balls to the wall, man, I yeah, you know, hats I, I, off to you, Jack. Amazing job.
0: Yeah, for yeah. sure. Because yeah. you that's know, the
1: benefit of working with professionals. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: because that's I mean, the difference, and that's that's another benefit of being a multi-genre DJ. That yeah, he was booked to play drum and bass, and I mean, he's one of the authorities that we have. You know, in well, this in, in this region on it, and but when he came in and he read the room, saw the conditions, knew where he was in the in the in. The, the lineup in the lineup and just knew like he, yeah. he, he felt that and and went for what he felt was more appropriate and killed it
1: yep. so just to, to paint a quick picture here what we're talking about um so jack who we're referring to is mr shifter you can listen to episode 34 and he'll give us a very nice uh, dive into drum and bass great episode uh, we're bringing him back soon but yep. Yeah, he, he plays as Mr. Shifter. He's a multi-format DJ, but he's, he's kind of known for his drum and bass, but he, he plays house and stuff occasionally. And uh, So this show that was thrown by Three Dimensional Entertainment, which is Tony's company, Tony and Billy, they um, it was a Dirty Bird show. So it was Artalan and Sasha Robati were the sort of headliners, and then we had a really strong local lineup, and Jack was one of these people. And he was playing pretty early It was what 10, 10 o'clock or something it was early in the night yeah. 9 9:50 f- 9:50 yeah so and we've talked before and i mean even all the way back i think episode like 7 uh, with john chapel we've talked about how dayton does this sometimes where it's kind of a late night city and we inevitably panic because it's just empty up until like a certain time and then bam everybody floods in at once and Tony, that that totally happened this past weekend. Tony,
0: yeah, exactly. Tony and I were standing in the booth uh right as I, I don't remember if Jack was on or if Drew was on but it was still right around in that time frame and Tony turns around and looks at me and says god I hate I, I hate the, the anticipation of yeah. this of of the earliest time because nope. it is it's it's very tense for a promoter yeah. to be at 10 p.m. and not be anywhere near your number, but then 11:15, boom, okay, we're there, and then by 1 a.m. it's like yeah. I, I don't <laughs> think I've
1: seen such a good example of that yeah. as this past as weekend this show, in a long yeah, time. Absolutely. I mean, I I remember think thinking back to us talking about that on on the podcast once to where I was like. Because Billy, uh, shout out to Billy Dickensheets of 3DM. He was also he walked over to me and he was like, dude, if I don't it know. Stays like this, we're <laughs> gonna lose so much money. <laughs> yeah, he was, I was he like was really shut like up. I I could see it in his face that he yeah. was really he was actually genuinely worried yeah. about it. And we we're like, oh, it's too early to tell. But I was having the same thoughts, if I'm being honest. I was I was concerned. And then I went back and chatted to a couple people, you know, in the kind of side area, and then I came back around and it was like <laughs> I mean, it just exploded, and it's I was like, like, "Holy!" Everybody showed up at once.
0: It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: it was. It was almost like there was a line outside, and then they just let everybody in. It felt like that, but it totally wasn't. It's was just how everybody showed up. Yep. Um And so, I think that uh, kind of bringing that back around to the stories, I think that really affected Jack too. When he he came in, you know, and he comes down from Columbus, about right. an hour from us, mm-hmm. right. and saw that room that was mostly empty, but. Probably also knowing that this is when somewhere in here is when people are going to show up, right? right. And uh, we're talking about uh, mask nightclub, which is function one sound, big crazy venue, right? Yeah. And so Top knowing of the line that
0: lighting lasers, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's I mean,
1: a mega a mega club, diamond in the rough kind of thing here, yeah. And I think knowing that people would walk in to that and have it be. That intense of music, I think that he was like, I don't think that's the right choice. And I don't want to speak for him, but that's just the impression that I got.
0: Yeah, between the the three of us each having that conversation with him, I'm pretty sure, I mean, we all had the exact same Mm -hmm. sentiment from him. And and again, that was the absolute... And, and
1: people didn't really start showing up in the venue until kind of towards the end of his set but right. a few started trickling in yep. before the big boom they weren't even and, barely there for Drew's set which was the yeah, following set right. but but I think that that was the right choice cuz the few people that did come in early I I think that you know leading into Drew and knowing that he was going to play what he was going to play which is kind of deeper dark techno right. and and that he's got his own brand that we all recognize sure does yep and so i yeah i think he made the right choice and that was a very intelligent approach that it it takes not only a level of professionalism to do that he's going to get a huge head from this right now. but <laughs> but it takes uh it, it, you have to really be able to keep your ego in check to be able to do that
2: uh, you made the right call yeah for sure yeah, I th-
1: I think that's important too, and I think you know, we have these discussions, and and after the last episode or two, there were some Facebook discussions that we all kind of participated in with some of our friends and talking about crowd reading and that kind of thing, and you know, it's there's an argument to be made for presenting your art versus uh, DJing more like a job, and, and like I understand that disconnect, and some people. That's kind of a spectrum. People land on either side of that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. But
1: when you know seeing that happen this past weekend, I mean, it was a very clear scenario the, where it made sense for for Jack to have the versatility that he did and to have the level of professionalism to make that choice you know, in the moment.
2: Uh, and the he was thing prepared for that it. Regardless, like we all know that he's known for. Multi-genre, you know. Hell, I learned about him listening to Guilty Pleasures, which was an 80s mix. Yeah. You know, so he does all kinds of things, but he also stayed as himself as, you know, an artist. You know, he he, he was still playing music that he enjoyed. He was doing it the way that he did it. You know, he was still, it's not like he was...
0: Compromising himself, Compromising yeah, himself yeah, as an artist,
2: you know, it's right. he took it in the direction that he felt the room was going in. So
1: that's what he did. So, how do you guys prepare for a warm-up gig? Like, let's say um, you, you get the call, and in three weeks you're opening for blah 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 <laughs> headline.
2: <Okay. laughs> I'll say that right now because yeah. I just got the call. I'm opening for yeah. Clog yeah. on Stroke. Yeah, in hey, go, weeks. yeah go ahead. <laughs> <friend>. Yeah, <laughs> throw, that, throw that in. There. Um, so I, I just. Really, what I do is I say, okay, I'm opening for Claude Von Stroke. I think his style, I you know, I, I the style that he plays. Those I, I know that that 99.9 percent of that crowd is going to be there to see Claude Von Stroke, not mm-hmm. Tony DeSero. So that style that Claude plays, I will still play as Tony DeSero, The same style, the same way that I play. But I'll play more of a probably tech houseier set as opposed to a, you know, more of a progressive melodic. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure, I would do the melodic if I was opening up for, you know, Ferry Corston, Paul Van Dyke, any of those guys that I open up for on that level. Sure, I could still play the techier melodic, me you know but I'm not really compromising my sound because I still play tech house and I like tech house I just know yeah. that that tech house style is going to be more conducive to that night because yeah. I'm opening for Claude VonStroke you know so yeah that that's just that's how I prepare for the night well then what I'll do is I'll go you know quote unquote air quotes record shopping and I will listen to a lot of things and say you know, oh, this will probably work, this will probably work, and, you know, I'll compile. Depends, you know, sometimes I'll find 30, 40, whatever, however many tracks I find for that I feel is right for that night, and then I'll go through those tracks and I'll listen to them, I'm like, yeah, you know what, i listen to this one a little deeper, I don't think this one's gonna work, so I pull that one out, and I kind of, if I'm playing an hour, I'll, I'll compile it to a good 15 tracks. You know, if I'm playing an hour and a half, I'll about 30 tracks, you know, cuz there's going to be a couple in there that may not work and I have to get get out of right away. Yeah. You know, but I know that the ones that are in there will still work in some way shape or form because it's, you know, geared towards said
1: headliner. Yeah. You know, or gig. So I'm glad you brought that up cuz I was going to ask like how much do you got cuz I know if I whether I'm familiar with the headliner, I'll be warming up for or not. As soon as I get the call or the confirmation, the first thing I start doing is like researching their sound. <laughs> like next next couple times I go for a drive, my Spotify playlist is that artist, you know, and right. so I'm trying to get a feel for what's going to be happening. Or even for the podcast, you know, like when we had Egyptian Lover coming in, like I was listening to his album on repeat for the couple of days leading up to it because I wanted to be just really in that zone to right. be able to have that context and you know doing the kind of DJing that we all like to do, that context is really important. Right. Um so I, de- I definitely do do my homework, you know. I didn't the, do that the during days. the golf clap show. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> and the in a few days before the golf clap show I listened to their SoundCloud and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> because that like their SoundCloud, you listen to their production, it's more of a like a deep house yeah. style, you know? And I was freaking out. I I text Aaron Miller, I text um Chad and I said, dude, I had no idea these guys were playing. You know, But when they played live, they, everything flowed well because they took it. Obviously, they were headlining. They weren't playing that deep house on their headlining slot. So right. it all, luckily, it all worked out. But yeah, I, I, I always try and compile tracks that I feel that will go conducive with the headliner that I'm opening for. You know, yeah. And then narrow it down to your top... Whatever that you decide, and you feel it's going
1: to work, but I will say, and this is probably especially relevant to us because of the kind of music that we're into, but when there is a, a headline or a, a warm up Dj, especially like when I say warm up, I mean like they're immediately preceding the headliner direct support direct support mm-hmm. um, I hate when they play something that's just so off the wall or way too. Turned, <laughs> you know, th- way too high energy for it. So that the headliner, especially if I know what I'm there to see, and I know that the headliner is either going to have to bring it down a couple notches, and everyone's going to lose some energy for a while, or they're going to have to make some kind of compromise. You know, there's and, there were times when uh, a couple years ago when I was uh,
2: doing the Mexico thing, there were times because the kids that win the DJ competitions, you know, and whatever there were. A couple guys that got booked to open up for some of those headliners down there, playing their tracks.
0: Oh, you just—I uh, mean, my we, joke. We, I was uh, waiting for it to come back around no. to me because that was going to be my joke. You know what I do to prepare when I'm going to be direct support for somebody? <laughs> I go their, to Beatport and I buy twenty of their tracks, and that's my set. And then <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> it their wasn't even.
2: Sometimes <laughs> it wasn't even their tracks. It was the Beatport top twenty. You know what I mean? Because. Which the is the what, headliners that were booked at the yeah. time were, you know, all the big EDM, all right. the big room EDM guys. So, and they all played the top 100 beatport right. tracks. And some of those kids that came in to play before mm. the headliner or even opening the room were playing those tracks. And I had to literally go up and tell them, you're done bring the next DJ up that really knew what to do, which (laughs) half the time it was me, you know what I mean? But as stage manager, I had to tell them that they were done, you know, via the owner of the festival because... That cannot be a comfortable situation No, no, it's not, it's not, but yeah, I mean...
0: But it just goes to show that you, I mean, you need to know... Not just your audience, but where what you're playing for and and who your audience is going to be. And because we talk, just, uh, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of different avenue or there's a lot of different like settings that that a DJ can be in. But when we're talking about a performance type DJ, which we tend to lean towards that discussion a lot because that's what we identify with, you need to know that. Mm, I mean, you yeah. need to know who you're opening for. You need to know that sound you need to know all of those things because in that yeah i mean jokingly i mean that that is a a common we were just joking about that but that is a common uh gripe of a lot of headliners where i have seen some nasty tweets from some headliners that are like Somebody get this amateur off the stage. Why is this idiot playing my track before I get on the stage to play it?
1: <laughs> like, right. So, can, just for like posterity's sake, can I directly ask you guys? Like, is that a, a complete and total faux pas? Like, a g- definite no, no, never, ever play the headliner's track as I, a warm-up. Me, DJ? it is. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, 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 only, I and, never do, but I'm wondering if you guys. And share the only
0: that. reason, I mean, now don't get me wrong. I mean, it. I've I've seen it happen, mm-hmm. and it's been a non-event. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it some for some people it just is what it is, and you know, whatever. But I've seen enough of a of a backlash over it that yeah. I mean, I I thought I would think that I, I like if I if I, I always looked at it from from their point of view. If I am a headliner coming in to rock a spot, but. I want to rock that spot with my track and somebody else has already done it. Yeah. Eh, well, okay, fine. I'll 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 adjust as necessary, but it'd be I, nice I, if the guy that everybody's coming to see played the track that he made or right. she made, you
1: know, and I just read an article about that. I wish I'd still had it pulled up cuz I don't remember where it was, DJ Times or something. Sure. But they were talking about they were interviewing somebody and they said that they actually liked it when the warm-up DJ played one or two of their tracks really? because it got them amped up to huh. see hmm. them as an act, which I thought was pretty interesting because you yeah. don't usually hear that angle.
0: Yeah.
1: So well, I, 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 I wonder how many people feel that way.
0: I, you know, I, I, and that that's kind of where I was going with that. Like the the I I consider it faux pas, and I would never do it myself because of the the vehement reaction that it gets from some people. But yeah, I, I, I would think that, you know, some people probably think it's neat or whatever and, and yeah, I, I almost wonder too, because you know, it happens all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's always you know, somebody out there who I wouldn't pick their biggest track. Yeah. To play something you know? subtle. So yeah. like if you're, if I mean, you're opening, I would never do it. But so if you're opening for Avicii, you wouldn't play levels. No, I wouldn't <laughs> play.
2: I wouldn't play Spastic before Richie Hutton either. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: right, because if he pulls that track out, it's going to be a moment. Yeah, right? 100%. unless you've already done it, then your career is over. Hundred percent. Right? <laughs> <100%. laughs>
0: be selling carpet in Boise. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> not that there's anything um, wrong with selling carpet and boys. Yeah, not that We're I don't get like that one
1: email from that one person. He's like, eh. <laughs>
0: they're talking about me, damn And it.
2: Not that I don't like Avicii's music and think it's good, but I would never play levels because that's not my style. But right, yeah, right. yeah, feel you on that. I would never do that. No.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would say for me, like all jokes aside, I, 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 I it's it's a it's a whole list of. Uh, parameters, mm-hmm. you know, you you, you know, so, and, and I think it was Kilma who's brought up the point before, like you know, with contracts and and knowing what you're getting yourself into and all of the, and all of all of that stuff. There's a lot of different questions that you have to ask, mm-hmm. and when when I take a gig, I need to know when is it, <laughs> you know, uh, who am right. I opening for. Am I direct support or am I one of the who's before openers? who's after you? Yeah, all of that stuff. And and what time? What's the venue? You know, because I mean, even even just the difference in venue. Some people get a lot more turned up at one venue in a city than they do at another venue at the exact same time.
1: Yeah, you know, some yeah,
0: people go that's true. go harder at eleven p.m. over here, but they don't get that hard over here until one p.m. or right. one a.m. Yeah, so. Um, so it's just a, a long list of questions. So like, you know, I've opened up when I played more four, four stuff, uh, earlier on, you know, I opened up for a bunch of people and it, I, I was always able to just kind of do my thing. You know, it was always either a a tech house to a prog house to a trancey kind of progressive yeah. set but that always led into whatever that next person is, is doing, you know, so that always worked out. Uh, as I got into the more breaks, breakier stuff. So like, you know, your drum and bass and glitch hop and all that stuff. It's, it's been more of a, a, a challenge because I really need to research, you know, who the hell I'm hoping for, <laughs> like, um, uh, you know, take the, 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 the craze show, for example, like, you know, everybody's coming to see Craze, not Trip Turlington. But I'm Trip Turlington, and I'm opening for Craze. So, you know, I need to show these people a good time, and I'm gonna get their their blood flowing yeah. beforehand. So, yeah, like you know, I I, I played drum and bass before uh, Craze, who just tore the roof off. And you know, the the set that I I didn't put that set together you know as we've talked about before it's more about curating you know here's what i would play in the first third or half here's what i would play in the second third or half and then here's what i would you know wrap up with and then make it all kind of you know progress but um yeah it's just you have to know your place in the night and who you're opening up for because for craze you better go balls to the wall you know Because he brings so much energy and that's who people are coming for. So if you are just blowing chunks (laughs) and you know, just not you know, connecting with that crowd, they're praying for you to get off the damn decks. Mm -hmm. You know, get off the turntables and let's get to craze already. Mm -hmm. Whereas I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you were both there, but I don't I didn't get that vibe (laughs) (laughs) from the crowd that night. Instead, it was, yeah, you know, there's all this energy in the room. Yeah, it totally
1: made sense for that night. Right, right. How things went, yeah. But,
0: you know, if you
2: build the energy to hand it off for it to be able to go 10 steps higher, right, you don't go balls to the wall. So there's no more room for them to go, right. So if that's opening a room, if that's direct support, wherever it is in the night, opening up for whoever, whenever. You just have to realize that if you're not the main act or the main time slot of that night, to be able to save some energy for that next act to take on, Yeah, you know? Right. And yeah, absolutely. That was, you still went and did your thing, but you still left energy for Craze to take that room to the next 10 steps, you know? And- back to opening the room I feel it's the same thing you know you 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 create actually the opening of the room creates the energy you know just gets people loosening up
1: you're at that's the thing that I think people miss sometimes is that as as a warm-up act like that like you are at least as important as the headliner there absolutely mm-hmm. you know yeah. what I mean, that doesn't mean that you're the star you know the hardest but it means you're important the,
2: the hardest thing to do in my opinion the hardest thing to do is getting them on the dance floor when there's nobody on the dance floor yeah back in 19 well let me think it was like 1996. Whenever the Macarena was big, or whatever, oh, yeah. that whatever 90, that right.
0: That was 96, and I know the, it was 96 because I was in the army at the time. Was it that early? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was. It I was, was. I was stationed in Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and we could not go into a club without hearing was, the Macarena anywhere. I was the resident
2: <laughs> DJ at Wallabies when Wallabies first opened, and it was a Friday night. And this guy came up to the DJ booth and he said, If you can get 50 or more people on the dance floor in less than 10 minutes, I'll give you this $100 bill. Nice. Cool. No problem.
0: Hey, mockery. Uh, Threw it right on,
2: (laughs) got on the mic, you know, told them about the drink specials, whatever, whatever. They got on the dance floor and, you know, but to be able to go from zero dance floor. And, and especially today, because a lot of people don't like to get on the dance floor until it's a lot of people there. You know what yeah. I mean? They're afraid of what people are going to think. It's Times are different, whatever. But to be able to create that energy enough to where it's just a little bit, but it's enough for people to kind of start bobbing their head, feel comfortable with the music, you know, feel it, and get on the dance floor, to me, is... Very, very difficult thing to do. Yeah. Cause if no if, matter what situation or, or
1: if you just suddenly come in out of the gate and you like drop somebody's jam, mm-hmm. then you're going to get that one or two like super outgoing, energetic people to come out and they're going to dance on the dance for a minute and it's going to be a fun little moment and then it's going to be over. Right. Right. So like that's different than convincing. Multiple people to get out here. Hey, like, you, it's know okay you want to. to walk out here. You it's know okay okay you want to start to. moving. Right, yeah, all right. Tease them a little, reel yeah. them in, back off a little bit, and do the whole thing. It's yeah. Foreplay, man, one hundred percent for sure. And I think like that's kind of the difference between like I. This is kind of a, a point of contention. You know, a lot a lot of times, people, myself included, say that this this kind of crowd reading element is really important for a warm up DJ. But then there's this other kind of side of the of the fence that say this is your opportunity. I think you know Steve Gilson would have a different opinion on this. We've had this conversation before. We Mm can maybe bring him in if he'd want to talk about it. But you know, he was like, I I brought it hard every time Mm -hmm. I played because that was my opportunity. Take it or leave it. I'm playing what I play, and it's up to you to put me where I go. And I I get that. I do and there's a lot of people that are on that side of the fence but I think that like the difference is that people who think the way that I do and I think that that you guys do uh it's the difference between a DJ who um they realize that they're part of a bigger plan
0: mm-hmm.
1: here and and not like in a religious sense but like in the terms right. of the entire night right. or the entire local scene or whatever like whatever cog in the wheel that you are that there's certain among us that are trying to make sure those gears keep turning in a certain way and so we all kind of have this give take thing that happens right and i don't see anything wrong with that in fact i think that's a good thing i think that's how you convince people who weren't going to dance to dance and you know that and that's also how you get promoters to trust you with absolutely bigger better time slots
0: and for me like it, going back to your point right there i mean just the the whole cog in the wheel thing like we've all been at those parties where you know whether it was just a bad decision to put a particular dj in a particular spot or whether that DJ is just trying to go hard at ten thirty, you know, or ten or nine or whatever. But when you when you take all factors into consideration and you come to the table knowing what your role in that whole thing is, then you are um, you're contributing to the entire evening so when somebody shows up you know then you're you're part of a a natural flow
1: yeah
0: where and, and that's what i would rather be i would rather be part of the flow and have somebody be really impressed with what i did at that particular time yeah and be and, and if I walk away and somebody says, Man, yours was the set of the night. Yeah, I came to see headliner XYZ, but man, you but, really yeah. you really nailed it. That was awesome. Versus me coming in and just going as hard as I can. And then what if that's not appropriate, you know, yeah. for what what time slot I was booked for? And then I end up being that guy that everybody's just like yeah, it's cool and all. Can't wait for this guy to get off or can't wait for the next guy to come on or It
1: really cheapens it. Like it feels
0: Well, it, it you're not you I I I it it's one of those things where you got to keep your ego in check because your name is not at the top of the line, of the bill. So, if somebody is coming to see headliner XYZ but there's this supporting lineup. Okay, great. What if they didn't come to see you so, or see you or see you or see, you know, or see any of the other people that's on, on the supporting lineup that supporting lineup needs to be able to help curate the the rest of the night too. So it's not, it's not always your time to shine, even though it is your time to shine like you gotta do it in an appropriate way for whatever setting you're in
1: so here's a question do Do I have an ego problem because I have decided that that's the appropriate way for a night to go, like I think that a night should progress and it should start in one place and it should end in another, and the energy should build over time, blah blah blah, but there's a lot of people who don't care about that. So maybe I'm in the minority by thinking that, and if I have an, an opinion saying, well, if this person's hammering out drum and bass at nine o'clock, I just, I don't feel that, whatever. Am, am I the one that's at fault for thinking that or who has an inflated ego because the night's not going the way I think it should? When you say "I," who are you
0: speaking? Yeah, who are you speaking? Are you speaking as?
1: of the promoter aspect, or you speaking- I'm talking about me, David Michael. Do I like? I I think that night should go that way.
0: But so does that you- mean
1: I have a big ego if it doesn't? You know what I mean? Like
0: no, I, no, and, and and because you, as David Michael, have been a promoter, and you are a producer and you are a DJ, so you have a particular perspective that the average party goer does not. right? And so there's a lot of psychology that goes into promoting and DJing and production and lights and all of that stuff. You know, for example, when we show up at, at mask at 930, then it, the sound is not turned all the way up. Yeah, you know, because one, there's not enough bodies to absorb all of that sound, and two, nobody wants to walk into a big, wide, empty room getting hammered. You don't want to break their ears from yeah.
1: beginning of the night, nowhere else to go.
0: Right, damage so, already done.
1: You know, and that's lo- also that gives you that's another way to crescendo and mm-hmm. kind of bring more energy towards the end of the night. Absolutely. More SPL, more lights, more fog. More-
0: exactly. Like I mean, they didn't even hit the cryo until well into Sasha uh, when Sasha's Sasha took. Set, yeah. Uh, yeah took it took the stage so you know there there's there's a lot of perspective that we have that we know about you got to start from an empty club with you know bartenders filling the ice bins and, you, yeah. know, you know and all that stuff to the end of the night when there's a lot of people who should not be on the road <laughs> you know, like they're and you know getting them from point a to point z doesn't just happen by flipping a switch labeled "turned up," right? <laughs> you know,
2: drop the bass.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm gonna drop. Some it's audio it's you that. know you can
2: <laughs> you can also you can also compare it to being in a top forty club where someone comes up and says, you know, like, what's the most popular song, like. For example, uh, California Love back in the day, in, in the nineties, when I was, you know, DJing in the clubs, and somebody would come up when that was the hottest song on the radio and say, "Yo, will you play this next?" You know, "Can you play this next?" No, it's ten o'clock at night. I'm not going to play this song until midnight. <laughs> you know, <very> when everybody's <laughs> here, because I don't play the same song twice. You know, and I want everybody to enjoy it. So it's so Benga
0: Boys for you. <laughs> we
1: like the party. You know, so you know, it's Tripp's gonna come in with the beatbox. I don't yeah. know he's <laughs> <laughs> um, But
2: you, I mean, you could definitely, you know, compare the two scenarios. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of things that go and and that's what the the club goers, you know, and the patrons really don't understand. You know that scenario, comparing it to what we do now. You don't just go balls to the wall at nine or 10 o'clock, you know, even 11 o'clock for that matter at night, you know, Right. you just, you, then the whole night's a progression, you know, and
1: it's, well, I guess it might also be fair to say, like, if, if you happen to be in a scenario where it's 10 p.m. and you have a packed dance floor and they're digging your highest energy stuff, then by all means, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> play what you want. It's right. working, you right. know? so I, I mean, it's a case of playing the right gigs and right. Uh, you know the promoter knowing what they're doing and right. you know knowing what that particular scenario is. So I guess really what it comes down to is. The what's really tricky is how to play to an empty or mostly empty room, mm-hmm. right? And know worldwide. your
2: environment.
1: Absolutely, know your environment.
0: Yeah, um, and and I mean that's not to say that you know a drum and bass DJ or or anybody who really plays that high energy stuff can't open a room.
2: Sure, you know, not to cut you off, but mm-hmm. it was either Darude or Dirty Vegas at Mask, and I had. uh Frenzy, Steve Gilson. I had him play, but he played. I believe it was either first or second in the night, and he played drum and bass. You know, and I didn't mind. I knew what he was going to play, right. but it was one of those um, one of those nights where I knew. You know, the people that were going to come were going to we're going to come see Steve. We're going to come see Steve. You know. Yeah. And I there were still two more acts before the headliner, so. You know him playing that. He was playing to his people that were there to see him and us and things like that. And he did his thing and and did great. But I knew that you know the next two people were going to bring the room down and progress it.
1: Right. right that to the was headliner. one thing I meant to say earlier when we were talking about first Friday because you mm-hmm. guys do that there too. Mm-hmm. Like when there's a higher energy act that is in an earlier time slot, like you put a separation there mm-hmm. so that that can happen. But it's not like the headliner or whoever the whoever comes on at midnight or 1 doesn't have to make a sudden like if there's going to be a sudden change it's going to happen early enough to where it doesn't affect the energy of the entire night right, right.
0: and that that gives the people who are more novice uh DJs that play the that play those high energy things that gives them a place yeah. you know to to you know earn their chops and cut their teeth you know on you know, playing on, on bigger bills and stuff like that without saying, okay, the only way that you're ever going to play this higher energy music is if I put you at 3 a.m. after, you know, or, or 2.30 a.m. after, you know, after the uh, headliner, after the headliner. And then you get to close the place as everybody's leaving, Mm -hmm. you know, because they saw the headliner already, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, thankfully we live in a city where that, that happens, you know, there are some people, there's, there's an exodus after after the headliner. Mm-hmm, true. But thankfully, we live in a city where there's some true, yeah. <laughs> you know, after-hour heads. Yeah. <laughs> there's always
1: at least a few yeah. left over to play, too. Yeah. For sure. Which is cool. Um, so we, we kind of covered, do you guys have any other, maybe, like, just bonus quick tips for warming up a room? We kind of covered, like, you probably shouldn't play tracks by the headliner, okay? Um, any other... Things pop into your head mm. I mean whether
2: whether it's opening a room or just you know direct support, always going into a gig, know who's playing before you, who's playing after you, you know just just research the whole gig in general, and um, you know sometimes again when it's a full local regional thing, and the promoter is booking you for you, obviously just. Know that. Stay in communication with the promoter and and um, just know what your spot is in the show. Know your know your yeah. place.
1: Know your expectations
2: yeah. as well. Yeah, a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, for me, I would say uh, to kind of piggyback, to
2: piggyback, <laughs> you can piggyback off me <laughs> any day. <laughs> See. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to piggyback off of your point i i would say yeah just know what your place is and, and want to be part of the whole picture not try to be the the guy that everybody talks about you know mm-hmm. after afterward because it's when you don't try to outshine everybody else that you might end up actually doing so well,
1: i was gonna say um uh- uh, if you don't mind, actually, when you're doing the editing of this, um, mm. I have an article that I wrote that's uh, a long time ago, but it's called The Underdog DJ Finding Joy in the Warm Up Set. Yep. If you could drop that in the show notes. Sure. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it kind of talks about you know, more like being happy doing warm up sets. It's not, it, there's some actionable tips in there and stuff, but it's kind of coming at it from the psychological perspective. Um, but I put in there, uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, oh yeah having having patience is really important um building a following is uh, much more a marathon than a sprint absolutely and when you're when you're doing warm-up gigs it's it's a net positive over time for you to handle those appropriately rather than to musically masturbate over every gig that you get right you know um You know, I kind of mentioned earlier in the episode that I it was easy for me to get stuck doing warm up sets. But the nice thing about that is I got quote unquote stuck doing that because people realized I was good at it. Mm -hmm. And they know they can trust me with certain time slots. So it's it's taken me a long time to play the kind of shows and the time slots that I want and it's something that I am working on. But at the same time it's it's helped me build these long term Trust relationships with other people who you know I have the same kind of trust with them in that kind of scenario. So it's it's a a long term thing. It's not just you know it, it, it's not this one show that matters. Especially if we're talking about participating in a local scene, and, right, and right. that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it, patience is absolutely key. I mean, and that that kind of morphs into a different subject, but. Yeah, building your following is absolutely a marathon. And there's not ever going to be one show where you show up and go balls deep and try to outdo everybody else and then walk away with the entire room. Yeah. You will get a lot further by just showing up and do what you do Appropriate to the time slot and and all other parameters uh, all other parameters considered about that gig, just show up and do what you do, and you will connect with the people that that will respond to that.
1: Yeah a um, couple other just quick rapid fire tips um, getting there early as a warm up dj is a really good idea so that you have context you know cuz you there've been shows that i've played entirely differently than i thought i was going to and th- thankfully i got there early enough to realize i should do that
0: right uh,
1: you know just knowing what the person or two beh- b- before me have played and mm-hmm. what i'm what the energy of the room is like and what people are doing you know, kind of people watching and, and yep. that sort of thing. I find that really helpful. The other thing is um, to always be accommodating and polite because even if there's nobody on the dance floor, you never really know who's watching. And the way that you handle yourself in situations like that, you might need to only impress one person right. for for it to have been worth it. It's It's important to also be kind of prepared for... Whatever scenario you find yourself in. So, especially if you're like direct support for a headliner, there have been times when I've had to, you know, there was a late flight or somebody didn't show up at all. Mm-hmm. And my one hour set has become three and a half hour sets. Right. And thank God I was prepared for that. You know, and made it work because it was like then, you know, you, maybe you weren't direct support, but now suddenly you are, you know? And so I I had enough music with me and prepared and that I knew well enough and I had enough experience to be like, okay, here's what I need to do. And because I've proven myself as an opener in, in the past... I was able to be trusted with that and I'm right. sure we've all been in situations oh, yeah. like that where awesome. we did not play when or for as long not as we even, thought we were not
2: even yeah. as playing but as as coming from a, a stage manager and having you know a local opener you know open for an act and sometimes you know the openers don't know that and they turn around and they look at me and they say this is my last track
0: uh, but I only have- Sixty-minute set. Yeah, right. right? <laughs>
2: this is my last track. What? Well, loop it. You know, do, do something. But they don't have any more music. They prepared from you know their eight to twelve songs, and that's it.
1: I say That's frustrating to me. Yeah. Like, right.
2: <sighs> but you don't get that with Like you don't get that with experienced DJs and DJs that's been around and know those those yeah. things. And
0: I've been on both sides of that. Where like obviously. You know being around as long as we have, I've definitely had to cover somebody else, but even as recently as this week, I had somebody who totally covered my ass uh so thank you to uh quicks and machines eating babies mm. because um I showed up for a gig for whatever reason my I had technical issues, and the guy before me, quicks kept the music going kept playing you know and and he would check with each track hey you good mm. you good you good and I'd say nope still having technical issues and he just kept he kept the music going and when it got you know 20 minutes in and I know I'm not going to be able to play my set so then machines eating babies thank you to you guys they started setting up asap so that they could take over from quicks that yeah. way my time slot is absorbed but no music had to stop
1: yeah yeah absolutely which you know when we were talking last time about um, everybody bringing their own uh, equipment into the DJ booth like that this is more important than ever because there's now it's it's a common scenario for there to be a lot of hustle and bustle in between acts and Mm -hmm. you know We've all been in that situation yep. where we're up there and we're ducked down so that nobody sees us and we're plugging <laughs> stuff in and trying to hide from the crowd. I was going to say, I think I spent more and,
0: time ducked behind, ducked <laughs> under the booth at <laughs> therapy. The <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, ducked under the booth?
1: What are you doing?
0: Shut up. You're down there with me. The, pro-
1: the problem is he's in charge of editing. I was never going to see the light of day.
0: <laughs> <Right>.
1: <laughs> nice. All right, well, I think that probably wraps it up for the warm-up DJs. Um, thank you guys for being part of this and tossing your thoughts in there. And that's um, our call
0: to action this week.
1: Oh, let's see. What do we want to do? We did Twitter a couple weeks ago. We did SoundCloud last time. Not ready to do YouTube channel yet. I need to put some more stuff on there. How about Instagram? Instagram, yeah, follow Instagram. Pa- Instagram. Passionate DJ. <laughs> can we get it? Can we get that again?
0: Instagram.
1: dot <laughs> <laughs> com slash passionate DJ. Nice. Uh, behind the scenes shots of us doing recordings, uh, cool records, a cool album art. Little fifteen second clips of classic tracks. We have a lot of fun on there. So gear porn. Gear porn. Yep, give us a follow, and we will see you next time. Later. Easy. Thanks for
0: listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionate DJ or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning. quick story on that sure um years ago there was there was a promoter here in Dayton who uh you know put together a a a lineup of a bunch of older school DJs and all of that stuff and and it was if you saw the lineup yeah it was going to be a great show and he had a he he had a great venue it was one of the you know classic venues here in Dayton and all that and for whatever reason it was just a poorly promoted show, and it was towards the the end of the decline you know before dubstep came along and really picked the scene back up around here and stuff like that and uh whatever reason I just i got wasted that night mm-hmm. before before even getting to the show like we a bunch of us went out to a bar and uh you know just got totally hammered and then I show up to this party that had less than 75 people in a venue that holds 2000. So, yeah, it was like, you know, you're looking around and I mean, just the place was empty. And in my inebriated state, and I I'm, I know that sounds like I'm using it as an excuse, <laughs> but it, I'm I'm I take full responsibility for my actions that night because it had far-reaching effects mm. all throughout, but Um, me and the promoter ended up getting into it because in my inebriated state, I became an asshole and then started berating the promoter Mm. for not promoting his show correctly. And look at this, you know, this dismal turnout and (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, it gets worse. And then the headliner, uh, was actually, (laughs) for those of you listening, Tony is sitting here laughing his ass off right now. This dismal turn. Yeah. I I mean, you guys have both seen me pretty drunk. I mean, but I don't think either of you have ever seen me angry drunk because I don't get that drunk anymore, but it was, it was, it was, it was really bad. I'm like laying into this guy. And the the headliner for what and for whatever reason, you know, out of the 75 people that showed up, I don't know what other complications there were in the logistics, but the time slots were all off by like an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> 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 like, I have
1: played a few shows like that.
0: Right. So the headliner is going on when I'm supposed to be going on. And I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? Like what? So me and this promoter are like getting into it horribly and there was another promoter there that saw me acting like a total dick mm. you know and then I even worse it was Tony <laughs> even worse I go to go get my gear and my or my records from the stage where I was playing at. And then I saw the headliner and then I was flipping him off and then telling him to go like, yeah, it it was, it was total, (laughs) total stupidity. Um, and that ended up costing me not just a gig, but then my reputation with Mm. this particular headliner, because I've never I've never even seen that headliner again, but I am sure that as, as sure as I'm sitting here telling this story about how I'm an asshole, he's telling somebody else, man, I played this show in Dayton, Ohio, <laughs> one time. This guy was a fuck. <laughs> yeah.
1: that, and that's why I you know, always talk about this ego thing so often right, because right. – like. That word travels fast.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, a lot faster than than if you did than, good. Yeah. If you are the nice guy or girl and 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 you play all you play nice with everybody that takes a while. It only takes people, one.
1: Yeah, because people direction.
0: don't trust as quickly as they distrust. Yep. So as soon as you give them a reason to not trust you or to hate you or to whatever, then then
1: boom, that seals the deal. Well, and trust is such an important thing in this business when you you know, one promoter might have two or three other promoters that they work closely with that are in their little circle of trust. Right. And right. if one of you is out they're all out, right? And that—that's all it takes, you yep. know. And it—it yep. it, it might not even be like an intentional blackballing of somebody, but it just like
0: which does happen, yeah, which does also <laughs> happen.
1: But it might just be like, oh, if that if that person's going to flip out on me, I just don't want to add that element element to my show. Absolutely. And it might have just been the one time you did that, right? You know, right. It's a lot harder to recover from than it is to. And complete.
0: thankfully, I mean the the promoter that. That that you know, that my my actions that night cost me my reputation with that with that headliner because I was being a dick to them. But then I didn't even have an, you know, any interaction with the person who saw me acting like a like a yeah. jerk. They just saw it, so they were a bystander. Right, right. So then, when I finally see this person or get reintroduced to this person a couple of years later, and then they were like. You were at, and I was all like, oh yeah, I don't like to talk about that night, you know, because I mean, you know, it was just, it was just a bad night. Like it, it ended up, you know, spilling over into me being a jerk to a circle my inner circle of friends. Mm. And then that ended up as an argument between me and my my wife at the time which ended up as an argument at home.
1: Yeah. Now yeah. it's like part of real life. But. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I wake up the next day and I'm like sleeping in my kid's bed and like, I wake up and I'm like what the hell happened? I'm hearing stories the next day and I'm like you know piecing everything together and I was all like okay, so mental note do not drink a twelve pack of rolling rock and then follow it up with a you know, a bottle of vodka and then taking shots of rum <laughs> into your gig. Yeah, yeah. No, it was but yeah, no, it was it it was a an awfully horrible night and that that maintaining my composure yeah. you know would have went a lot further as far as my reputation was concerned. So yeah.